Hi guys, welcome to a brand new episode of NHBF Shines On. I'm Brooke Evans and just like you, I run my own salon. I wanted to have real conversations with the people that make the rest of the world feel beautiful. Today we're joined by a very special guest. She's worked with major fashion titles, Glamour, Vogue, Vanity Fair, Elle, Grazia and Stella. She's an author of two books on makeup and someone who is a strong advocate for turning makeup into art. She's also someone who has done it largely as a freelancer and today we wanted to find out how she did it and how you can make it in the beauty industry if you want to strike out on your own. Today on the podcast, NHBF shines on Lan Nguyen Grealis. Hi, Lan. Can you tell us more about who you are and what you do? Thanks, Brooke. It's hard to say because, you know, I am a makeup artist, but I do a lot of things is what people have been saying to me. So I've done art all my life and it's just so happened I've fallen into the beauty industry. And predominantly I do, I guess, celebrity, fashion, beauty, but then I've also gone into a bit of film, TV work, design, working with brands. So I'm very lucky. I've got a very 360 um, view of the whole industry. I mean, it sounds like you have your fingers in lots of different pies, which is super exciting. You have a real grounding in all sorts of creative pursuits. Why did you choose makeup? Well, I feel like makeup chose me. When I was younger, you know, you always have this vision of, oh, I want to be famous or I want to change the world. I want to do something with my life. And, you know, as a seven year old, my goals was to basically be like Picasso and just create art. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew that it was inside me. And so I just sort of followed day to day, whatever happened. So when I was at school, an art competition come along, I did art. I entered it brought me somewhere else. You know, I won a competition. I did something else. And the whole journey has been such a growth for me. So when I moved to London and do my GCSE and A-levels, again, I did all my subjects, did well, got A's, got B's. But the only thing that I really excelled at, which really came to me quite easily, was the art side. So I knew that was in me. However, when I was a teenager, obviously, I started to get spots, bad acne, and, you know, you start to dabble with, oh, what do I do to cover a spot? And then you go, oh, concealer. And so concealer started to develop into foundation that that developed into, oh, eyebrows and eye makeup. And before you knew it, you know, you had a whole face caked with makeup and then, you know, acne got worse and stuff. So I'd <laughs> add more and more and more. And the journey kept going, but it was more of a personal journey for me because I wanted to look really good, but also hide my imperfections, you know, at the time, which was a spot, which led into another spot. And I think as you sort of get stressed out, you get more and more. So I had really bad acne and then, then you would never catch me without makeup. So I think I was very motivated, shall I say, to keep pushing myself to make my makeup better for myself. And then I was on my final, uh, my third year at Central St. Martin's doing fashion design with marketing, menswear, womenswear. I'd done all my sketches, made my dresses, had my whole collection. And then on the 
day before I had to hand in my coursework and, my, and all my portfolio and my pieces and dresses, my ceiling came down and destroyed absolutely <gasps> everything. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I was 19 at the time. So I was very, I was very young, I guess, to be doing what I was doing. Yeah, I think I freaked out. I think you go through this sort of trauma. I feel like now looking back, my mind must have gone blank and just blanked it out and I thought right uh, what am I going to do because no one's going to believe me and we didn't have phones at that time or social media or anything because now if something like that happened you could just send a message and go oh oh my god this happened to me but yeah I had no I was scared and I didn't want to tell anyone yeah I think I, I just basically up and left went on holiday came back my mum had moved house chucked everything away there was nothing left I don't even know where, like she said she put some stuff in storage, but we don't even know where it is. So that was the end of that bit of my career where I could have gone to be a fashion designer or something. But literally a couple of weeks later, I was doing a bit of PR work. I mean, at this time to pay for my courses, I was doing loads of little jobs. I was working at Sainsbury's, I was working at a pub, I did a bit of PR work and I was at the business design center doing one of those exhibitions and a gentleman came up and said, oh, do you do anything else? Because I think there's a job that's come up you'd be good at. And it's at a, a studio and it's just like hanging out, doing reception work and concierge type thing. And I thought, well, why not? I need some money for the summer. And I went and it was a photographic studio. And this is where they did all the makeovers. There was no mirrors, just toilets. So nobody could ever see what they looked like. And there was about, I mean, at the time, there must have been about a good 30 makeup artists in the building. And there was hundreds of clients coming in and out. But I, because I had the fashion background and I used to, obviously, I, I sort of mastered doing my makeup. I was walking around thinking, yeah, you know, very presentable. And the people would go, excuse me, I'd like your makeup. Can I have my makeup like yours? I'm like, really? And I'd put things like glitter or green or blue eyeshadow. I was very adventurous at the time. And the manager came up to me and said, oh, you know, we're really short staff. Here's some brushes. Off you go and help us. And that was it. That's my story. You were freelance for quite a long time. Can you t tell us like why that was your direction? Is it because you were like here, there and everywhere? Like what, why was it freelance that you chose? I was freelance because I didn't have anyone to tell me there was any other option. Yes, there was the working at the studio. So when I was at the studio and, you know, it wasn't really massively paid, but once you commit, you know, you, you commit. I'm a type of person that if I commit to a project, I would never cancel. And so having that monthly commitment was quite tough for me because I really enjoyed the spontaneity of having a job. So if I ended up getting another job while I'm committed and I wanted to do it, I'd always say no to the other job I wanted to do because I wouldn't let the other person down. So I just thought, well, okay, if this is happening, I need to sort of compromise a little bit and be more flexible. I just kept just moving along. I did try retail. I did try the agencies um, just to learn really what was what was there. I tried film. Film is obviously long, but also you have to travel a lot. At the time, I was traveling for loads of nice projects here and there, like a day here, two days, four days, five days. You know, so I like that freedom. So if I was in one place... I'd have to just let someone down. And that really sort of tortured me a bit because mm. I didn't want to go 
oh, I'm going to leave you to do something else. So I thought by staying freelance, it just gave me that freedom. And I literally have that freedom. I mean, you still have that commitment once you say yes to a job. I mean, it's scary because you don't have the regular income, right? So you're on your own. So I try and juggle with different things and try and be like, try and work with people regularly. I've spoken to a few people in the industry who are freelancers. And the one thing that they always say is that you have to create value. How would you say that you've done that in your career? I think for me, value is that I give them what they want, you know, and more, I think. I do go above and beyond. So I am very understanding because of my background. I'm understanding time is money. There's a whole team involved. Everyone's investing their time. It's an art. It's a skill. People are depending on you. You know, like the makeup artist for me is like, you know, we can make a difference on a shoot from the moment we step on set. Oh God, massively. You know, the talent, you know, the the person in that chair. If we don't set off a good relationship with that person, it screws up the rest for everyone else. So it's a big responsibility. And I think I make it easy. You know, I'm not a shouty, shouty person. I like to be like, you know, see, not heard on a shoot. So, you know, whatever they want with the client, you know, I give them and, you know, I make it as easy and less problematic mm -hmm. you know and I feel I keep growing and growing you know when I look back at my other work I still love my other work and I always push to be timeless but again it's the people you meet and what you provide you know and how you elevate their work you know and it's collaborative sometimes it's not always about the money it's about whether you gel together and you can both see that vision you know it's, it's not always about winning for me it's about okay you know I just want to make sure that no matter where they go they're proud of that shoot and um, that's my that's my take on it. It doesn't matter how much you pay, what's it for, whether it's commercial, whether it's fashion, whether it's couture, you know, everything has a meaning and it's about the story. So for me, it's like creating value in, in that. I think that's your art history there. You've just said it. You need to make money. You need to survive. However, I think you get so much. I mean, I do myself so much from a job if you are invested in what you're creating over how many pound signs you're getting. And if you're in a position now where you can choose, that's great. You know, we haven't always been there. You've had to do jobs, you know, that maybe you didn't really want to do for the money. But I think when you get to a position that you can pick and choose what you want for your creative value, I think that's a great great part to be in yeah and I think you know it's mindset so I will never I, I mean 100% my heart like I've never gone I'm going to do that job because I need the money and I don't want to do it I think that's the wrong mindset I think you know it's a job mm -hmm. we're a highly skilled job and I think this is where sometimes it sort of clashes in terms of how people see our industry at the end of the day you know we pay for kit we have bills to pay. We absolutely love a job. It doesn't feel like work because we love it. And sometimes we, we don't mind not getting paid because, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. we are that star of an artist because we love it so much and we want to collaborate. <laughs> but if people just sort of just looked at it as like, look, let's give you expenses. Let's let's pay you as much as we can to make sure that you're happy on this job. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm lucky to be in a position that I sort of pick and choose, you know, but the way I choose it is like, does that pay my bill? Have I done enough? To, in order to pay my bills, my mortgage and, and mm -hmm. pay for my family. But when I look back at how young I was, I was doing retail. I was doing loads of other little side jobs in order for me to be creative because sometimes 
we're all the same. We all don't have budget, but it's, you know, it's focusing on that common goal of get it out there because that will pay you. Once it's out there, if it is fantastic, a brand or somebody will commission you because sometimes in that creative field, they need to see you create it, produce it as like a, almost like a test shoot, like pilot mm-hmm. before they can go, right, actually, let's bring them in. Let's pay them to do this because we need this. How much do you think your brand and your business is a reflection of yourself? So I think it's 100% me. What I put out is absolutely me. If there's a problem or something I think everyone could learn from that's happened to me, then I speak out about it. I've always been quite honest and I feel like, you know, there's other people out there that look at me and say, oh, I wish I could do that, you know, and I'm always like, yeah, you can. Yeah. I mean, like how much work has gone into your online brand? Is that something that came naturally or did it take a a lot of curation? I wouldn't say curation because I pretty much put out what I do. So what you see is like is what I'm working on. Yeah. All the collaborations I do, all the behind the scenes in terms of building my name. For me, it's like project to project. You know, I just like doing everything. And um, in terms of my collaborations, you know, from branding like the book or the palette, you know, that's like working to a brief because I had an idea. So For me, it's like just solving problems. It's not necessarily like going, oh, this is the land brand. You know, people have given me that title. They go, oh, you've had had a land in or you've got land face. Oh, yeah, that's land's work. And I'm like, (laughs) for me, it's like, oh, thank you. That's it's 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 amazing that people can look at my work and say it's me. It's it's you know, it's it's complimentary for me. I just think of it as like, what else can I do? What else do I need to do? This is fun. I'll do that. You know, for me, it's just solving problems. Like there's loads of things that are out there that are great. So I I won't go near. But if I see a niche or something that could be better, then I just try it because it bugs me if if I don't try, you know. I'm just going to ask a few questions because I think there's going to be so many people listening to this that are inspired, whether they are a makeup artist or whether they're thinking of it. So what advice would you give to someone who's trying to break into doing makeup as a freelancer? I think if you're trying to break into freelance right now, you know, social media is your best friend. You know, you can reach so many people so quickly. Like, you know, I put out everything because, you know, every every day I was proud of what I was doing. But you have to be careful in terms of your imagery. You know, if you want to be in fashion or if you want to be in the film world, you know, you've got to curate your work to do that. Your imagery needs to speak for itself and put yourself forward. There's no point like putting um, these fancy selfies and, and stuff along if you want to be professional. So you've got to decide, you know, to build up your name is to look professional. So sometimes five images is better than 10 bad lit backstage shots, you know. So you just got to curate it so it's slick. It's not about fake it till you make it. You've really got to think about what images and things you're putting out on your research, you know, and put that out. If you want to work for magazines and editorials, put the editorial images out, you know. If you want to be doing TV or content or work with brands, then pull up your sleeves and get out there and start putting it out there and people will find you. If you want to work in music or a celebrity, you know, you start getting creative. You know, there'll always be someone in your network that can help you, but you've got to just put the content out. But not loads of random stuff, you know, just think about what is your message and put that out. 
And obviously, touching on your social media side of it, I mean, it's just taken over everybody and every industry. We're the same. And you've got really quite a huge following on social. How have you been able to get to that? Is there any top tips? I think back when Instagram and Facebook first started, I put out my my stuff purely to show people how, you know, what the makeup I would create behind the scenes was before it got retouched or before it went out to print and what it looked like behind the scenes because it really shows the detail and it wasn't filtered because we didn't have filters back then, really. You know, the best thing is to, again, think about your presentation. You know, the social media was purely from because I was answering questions. I was putting out content that nobody was doing at the time. You know, I was speaking up about things. I was being quite vocal, sharing knowledge, product tips and things like that, which no one was doing at the time. So I think now that everyone is doing that, you have to sort of think about what is it that you are giving to your your friends, your followers, the people that follow you, focus on them. And then, you know, when you get more engagement, and them talking, it will start to lead lead you further. You know, it's it's all about word of mouth and referral because, you know, someone could just turn the switch off. Mm, it's true. What have you got then? You know, so it's all about being being personal. Like I do, I always have relationships, even with the people I follow. Sometimes, you know, they'll DM me. I'll DM them back. You know, I will have some sort of relationship, so I feel like I know them. So it's just, yeah, I think that's really important. It's just trying to be human with it. Definitely. And obviously, we've all we've all been on journeys. When you started the makeup journey, is there something that ended up being possibly harder than you thought it would be? The hardest thing is maintaining. Going up the ladder is you like you you just go up, you go up, you go up. Things get better, better, better. But trying to maintain that sort of feeling of being busy all the time or getting all the work mm-hmm. that's mentally quite tough. And, you know, sometimes it's odd's law, but, you know, it's that whole thing of like, oh, next week I've got nothing. And then you think, right, I'm going to book a holiday. Then suddenly your diary gets filled up to the brim. You're like, oh, no, now I've got to choose between my holiday or my work. And, you know, most of the time you would choose your work, you know, because you're like, you don't know when it's next going to come around. So mentally, I think it's tough. And, yeah, having children and family just like sort of blew my mind even more <laughs> so it's made me work even double hard yeah this the juggle the juggle is is tough what is next what is next for you and your brand oh god <laughs> I guess I still do more advocation for the industry um, education is a big thing for me and just collaborating with more brands like there's so so many out there and so many things to do shoot so um, I've done a podcast I've done my book and I guess it's just down to like what brief comes in next. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. I, I, don't, I don't know what's around the corner. It's, you know, I've always said it's the other people, you know, I'm so grateful for. It's the collaborators because you could be sitting there and then I could go, Brooke, I've got this project. Let's collaborate. And then boom, we're on another journey. And then that may lead to another journey. So, and then I have my family and social life as well. All those things add up, you know, so it's busy. <laughs> We're coming to like almost the end now. Mm. And what we always like to do is ask some quick fire questions where you just answer in a few words, a sentence or something. So to start off, what is your morning routine? Oh, my morning routine is right now, 
is check the baby, a quick face mask, recheck my kit and then be ready to fly. I literally always, for me, sleep is, <laughs> I don't get enough. So um, yeah, I sleep on the go. So, you know, I give myself probably about 10, 15 minutes to get ready and go. What is a rumour that you've heard about yourself that's not true? Hmm. Oh my God. So it's not rumour, but you know when you Google yourself? I just do it sometimes just to find my credits. <laughs> it's funny what you see, find on the internet about yourself. So somebody said top famous person in Ireland or something is worth uh, millions of pounds, like 2.5 million or more. And I'm like, what the hell? I'd love that. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, you know, so I... Yes, please. Yeah. I looked deep. I, I researched deeply, but you can't do anything. It's, I don't know how they do it, yeah. but they just put rubbish like that on the internet. <laughs> so don't believe anything you hear or read, people. I'm not rich. <laughs> what are you proudest of? I'd say I'm proudest of getting to where I am now, mentally. You know, I've gone through all struggles. I've done all my bed. Just when I go on jobs and being with people and just having that confidence, I know them and I work with them. I'm just really comfortable. I'm just really happy. Good. I just love what I do. That's fine. So it's taken a lot to get here, but I absolutely love it. Amazing. What does your skincare routine look like? I love this question. <laughs> Top tips. Mm. <laughs> Top tips. My skincare routine changes throughout the year. So I always have a summer, autumn, winter and throughout like obviously hormonal times as well. So I will always have a light exfoliator, like an everyday one for I need when my skin's crappy. I will always have a wash cleanser. Then I'll have a toner and a good moisturizer. And in between, I'll always like if I need to rebalance my skin, I'll always have a face mask. So I'll mm. always try and fit in a face mask. But I've been using a lot of Korean skincare lately because my skin's been breaking out so much. So I've been finding lots of um, natural products have been really good for my skin. And then when I really need help, or if my skin is good, then I'll use the more luxurious products. But then when I start having breakouts, I sort of cut it down and start using more natural products like vitamin C and face mist sprays. Amazing. Nothing too crazy. I'll be literally <laughs> writing this down like, these are what I'm getting. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake you see people make when they do their own makeup? I think sometimes what I've seen is like, I don't know if it's intentional for people or if they know about it, but you know when the foundation doesn't match the neck? Yeah. They may have chosen the wrong formula or something and it decolorizes. So I think you've got to do your makeup in daylight just to see the realness of what you look like. I will always check out the window to see what I look like before I go out and I think even if people are doing it you know sometimes it's it still has a mask <laughs> yes and just adding maybe too much highlighter maybe you know the strobing okay great great on the face yeah. you know great great for camera work but in real life you know it's a bit bit much on the eye <laughs> yeah but that's yeah. you know I don't look at people for faults I don't as makeup artists you look at for the beauty and go oh I'd love to show you how to make your eyes look bigger or enhance you a bit more
please tell anyone who is listening and everybody where they can find you on social media. For my day-to-day stuff, it's generally on my Instagram, Lands London. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Facebook is more like family. I just keep up with my friends and family. But Instagram is pretty much my soul point, only because I love that it's visual. Mm-hmm. TikTok is just something I play with, nothing major. There is stuff coming soon, some very more big visual content stuff, but I've been saving that. So watch this face. So head over to Lance London. Yes. Amazing. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today on NHBF Shines On. It has been amazing. I feel like I've learned some stuff. And yeah, I hope everybody's enjoyed listening. Thank you. It's been amazing chatting to you. Thank you. Thanks, Alan, for joining us on the podcast. That's it for today's episode of NHBF Shines On. In our next episode, we'll continue to bring you the stories of the brightest lights in the hair and beauty industry and bring you the personal insights that could take your business to the next level. Until next time, goodbye.